Welcome to Interviews for Resistance. Since election night 2016, the streets of the U.S. have rung with resistance. People all over the country have woken up with the conviction that they must do something to fight inequality in all its forms. But many are wondering what it is they can do. In this series, we'll be talking with experienced organizers, troublemakers, and thinkers who have been doing the hard work of fighting for a long time. They'll be sharing their insights on what works, what doesn't, what has changed, and what is still the same. I am Sarah Jaffe, your host. Yes, I'm Reverend Annie Chambers, and I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. So you're here talking about the Rise Out of Poverty Act. Um, yes. Give us some history on that. Well, Rise Out of Poverty, and it's been said a lot of times, now we are really trying to get it, you know, passed, and we're also trying to make people aware of yeah. it. Because in the last, I would say in the last 15 years or more, Nobody really addresses the plight of the poor. You know, nobody feels that they have to really, uh, you know, address it. They change around fancy words for poor people, and they say low income, do this and that, and you go looking for housing even in, and you think it's low income. When they say low income, it doesn't, it's not for us. We can't afford it. But also, the fight for 15 you know, why? Sh- you, that's that's a small thing I would consider for someone to have money that at least they could pay their rent and have somewhere to live and eat. So we're fighting that th- that th- these things get passed, but also bring forth the you know the plight of the poor. We have more people in the world now, really, but right here in America than ever. I work with families, whole families, mother, fathers, and children that live under the bridge. Um, I work with a prison system that turned people out on the street with nowhere to go and, you know, give them a tent to live in. You hook up your tent, they take it away, throw it out. So it is terrible now. So we have to come forward as the poor and say we will not take it anymore. So this election, there was actually some attention to what welfare reform in particular did for particularly, again, poor women and children because of Hillary yes. Clinton, but it kind of slipped off no, fairly honey, quickly. No, no, you know, no. The, the welfare reform did nothing for poor women right. it did and children. Yes, but it did a lot of things to poor people, okay? It did a lot of things to poor people. That's why we have more families out on the street. It's because of welfare reform, and and I will just come out and say it. We didn't forget that, so we didn't vote for Hillary. We did support Bernie, but we did not vote for Hillary, and we weren't going to vote for Hillary, but I was saying to people a no vote is definitely a vote for Donald Trump. But people just couldn't see themselves voting for Hillary because we had suffered, and she have even made, that has made it, Welfare reform has really made it harder for us, you know. Yeah. I was talking to some folks recently about the history of the welfare rights movement and how that gets lost, but how it's a history we really need right now to remember. So Yes, I'm one of the women that started. I'm one of the eight women that started the National Welfare Rights, along with George Wally, who was then our director and president who led us. Uh, help us get it together because we were all just a group of women trying to survive and he you know called um it has gotten lost 
a lot of things have changed. And I say to younger women, because I'm 76 years old now, and all of the women that started welfare rights is just is gone or in my age bracket, okay? Um, and we had some men. We, we had, uh, well, at least um, three or four men that came along with us because they were raising their children. But now the system have changed so bad for people that that's, you know, we have got to get back to that. So that's what we are talking about now, even training the younger people, the younger both men and women now, because a lot of men are raising their children, and to train them to come back to the drawing board. Maybe not everything, but they really need to know how to organize, how to go into the districts, how to work with district managers and social workers, and fight for what they, you know, even to go to the governor, the White House. I've been locked up in every state in the United States because we got out there and fought, you know. So we're saying to people now that, well, you have, that's a right. Health care should be a right. Nobody's child should have to die, or even a person. I don't care how old you is because now, I live in a state where you can be kind of old. You don't get no good health care, you know. That we, We're fighting even that, not just good health care. You don't get health care. The doctor give you aspirin and something until you go home, and you come, you die. These are the things that we're fighting for, health care for people, but health care and a home. If you don't have anywhere to live, you don't have a home that's a stable place, you can get education. You can't look for a job. You can't raise your children. And the fact that they are snatching the children because the parents lose their job or lose their housing, instead of trying to assist, they put them in the system to make money off of them. And that's what's happening all over this country. So we have to fight these other things that we are fighting against. The Rise Out of Poverty Act has yes. been introduced in Congress before, just reintroducing this again. Yes. Tell us what it would do. The Rise Out of Poverty Act would certainly put poor people in a better position. It would help us. Um, poor people would be able to, you know, get some of the services and some of the benefits. So if we at least get Rise Out of Poverty Act passed, we would be able to move up and move forward to, you know, better places. I mean... I was a woman on welfare, but it helped me. Okay, they placed us, they helped me get an education along with my church that I got a master's degree in social work. They helped me so that I could get a job and be able to support it. Well, it rise out of poverty would do exactly things like that. Uh, thank God I'm blessed that I don't have any of my children that get any kind of ass- assistance that are working, that, you know, they're all working and can own their own homes. And, you know, some of them own their own homes. Some of them have good careers. But imagine a poor mother trying to scramble every day to survive for her children, to just have food. You know, you can't go to the school system and deal with your child's school problem because you're trying to talk about survival. Oh, you, you wake up in the morning, you talking about how I'm going to do rent, how I'm going to do, you know, uh, pay for my children clothes, buy them food. And so it's a survival thing. And the rise out of poverty would put us in a better position. At least you would know you got a house. 
at least you would know that you got an income that can help you get up and out of poverty. You know, that's what we need. How can people get involved in uh, organizing around? Yeah, we got a petition. So they can, yeah, they can get in touch with us. Um, best mm -hmm. way is to go on the Every Mother Network website, mm -hmm. www.everymothernetwork.net. And that's one thing. And one thing to add on what RISE is, RISE is very much taking each of the aspects of TANF Welfare yep. reform yep. and saying changing it. So yep. it's pages of changing this and changing so it's less punitive. Yep. So that's it, takes out the word. Rachel West, US Prostitutes Collective. And we're supporting this initiative because, um, you know, when welfare reform was brought in, I mean, millions of women were literally thrown out of anything thrown out into the street no income nothing and how are women supposed to support their kids when that happened well it's even documented now that women went into prostitution a lot of women just you know they had to feed their kids um into shoplifting um drug you know selling drugs whatever the women could do to survive and into um so-called crimes of poverty and so you know, and then what happened was uh, a lot of women ended up go going to prison. And so the, mon the welfare reform directly was a result of women going to prison. Yeah, there's a direct connection between welfare reform and women going to prison for crimes of poverty. And, you know, we know it's the fastest growing prison population now is women. Um, and mostly women of color and 70% of mothers. Um, and so that's, you know, the major reason why we're supporting this, because we don't think women should be forced into prostitution through poverty and, you know, lack of any means to be able to survive. Yeah. And, you know, it was all tied up with the drug, the war on drugs, mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Because then when you came out of prison and you had a felony, drug felony, mm -hmm. then, you know, because of welfare reform, you were um, banned from getting any welfare I mean, so when you most needed it, you know, coming out of prison, trying to get your life together, get your kids, and you can't get access to housing or welfare, thanks to Clinton's welfare reform. Um, and so this, you know, this is a... And, and then it was just punitive sanctions against women. You know, you didn't have childcare, you got sanctioned. Yeah. It was very, very punitive system, and this is going to address, you know, the worst parts of that very bad... Um, welfare system that we have now where you can't survive and I was talking to a couple of welfare mothers recently I mean it's such a brutal system they have now it's just really horrendous I mean they have to go to work you know to these really terrible jobs that nobody wants they put the welfare mothers there all day they have to leave their kids in child in childcare or if they don't have any childcare leave their kids yeah. and then have their kids taken away and then after a you know, brutal working day in these in the worst jobs, even if they get a job that they you know they want to stay in, they're not allowed to because they decide what kind of jobs you're going to be in. Yeah. Then you have to go home and you know your kids get your kids, and then you have to do extra free work, mm -hmm. like on the computer. I don't know three or four hours at home after working all day for free to qualify to qualify for, yeah. for the five hundred dollars a month. So yeah. I mean it's a brutal thing welfare yeah. now. Being yeah. on welfare, they make it really practically impossible. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, yeah, this bill is like a breakthrough. We haven't seen anything like that in Congress for decades. Yeah. And it's, you know, a real breakthrough yeah. to have such legislation. Yeah. Talk about why it's important for sex workers to be leading their own organizing on this front. Right, right. Now, that's been a, the whole trafficking agenda, which was really pushed forward by George Bush, mm-hmm. um, you know, is just really a way to criminalize sex workers more under the guise of, you know, rescuing children that are victims of trafficking. The whole thing is a complete hype, and it's meant more immigrant women are being deported because they get arrested. Just an arrest for prostitution is enough to get deported because it's um, listed in the immigration as one of the moral turpitude Mm -hmm. laws under moral turpitude. So just an arrest, you know, for an immigrant sex worker, you can now, I mean, more than ever be deported for that. Um, And so, you know, that's what we're up against is well-funded, hugely funded anti-trafficking groups and government agencies, police, you know, get a lot of money through trafficking. So it's just a whole big scam because, I mean, there are some victims of trafficking, but they don't even get help. All the money goes to the non-profits and law enforcement to do these enormous raids, you know, where they they, um, arrest hundreds of people and they say they rescue victims of child trafficking. But in fact, when you look at the statistics, it's men who get arrested now, clients or yeah. just men, you know, they happen to be there. Yeah, we're really challenging this whole anti-trafficking agenda that's, you know, basically moved the public too. It's been a strategy to, you know, we were we were winning decriminalization and the public was on our side and thought, you know, prostitution should be decriminalized. And they brought in this anti-trafficking agenda. Now people are, that's what people are focused on. The public thinks, you know, that, that trafficking is prostitution. Yeah. And it's two completely different things. You know, prostitution is consenting sex for money. <laughs> Trafficking is forced coercion and fraud and holding someone against their will. I think this bill is really, really going to be key in addressing poverty of women and children, you know, which is 75% of people in the U.S. who are impoverished are women and children. I'm Pat Gowans, and I'm with the Welfare Warriors in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So, tell us about Welfare Warriors. This has been well. Welfare Warriors is a 31-year-old group of moms in poverty and other supporters, and we started up to be journalists. We have a magazine called The Mother's Voice, Mother Warriors Voice, sorry, and um, goes around the world. It's 31 years old, and it's 56 pages of only news of resistance, and we, we primary focus on resistance in any country of the world, especially resistance in any of the wars on the poor. Our goal is, of course, to end the wars on the poor, especially on poor mothers and children. Yeah. Um, and, of course, the war on the poor is getting a little more attention right now because we have a Republican president, but, well, you're from you're from Scott Walker and Paul Ryan country, so none of this is any surprise right. to you. And Tommy Thompson before Tommy that. Tommy Thompson country. So, yeah, the, the poor have been really under attack viciously, viciously since the 90s. So the war on the poor has been very intense, you know, with the Democrats, with the Republicans, and every every politician, you know, uses the poor as a scapegoat, and there's more attacks every year. So I don't know if... Uh, 
you know, this particular right now, how much more they're, they're attacking the poor. They're yeah. just spreading it out to attack now the working class, too, mm-hmm. instead of only the poor. Yeah, yeah, and so we're looking at things like cuts to Medicaid, cuts to food stamps, war cuts to food stamps. Right. Um, and all of this coming down sort of all at once from Washington makes, rather than you know, being spread out from state to right. state. Well, at least there are threats so far. Yeah. There's always yeah. a lot of threats against the poor, too. Yeah. You know, that we just had last year, we had a huge reduction in food stamps because single people could no longer get food stamps except three months out of every three years. So poor single people only get to eat three months out of every three years. <laughs> I, and, uh, you know, other, and then you have to work off the food stamps otherwise. You have to do 20 hours of work a week of any work, whatever, other classes, job search, whatever. And even if you're only getting $30 in food stamps, you still have to do 20 hours of this mandatory activities. But imagine, now it's not even for money. Now, on, on welfare, ever since 96, when the Clintons did the welfare reform bill, under the welfare law, since 1996, the moms have to work for no pay for 30 hours a week, and the average check is 390 And so the mothers, for instance, in Milwaukee, our Head Start program was using 96 women at 20 hours a week for no pay. No pay. No pay, no social security credits, no unemployment credit, no protection from sexual harassment because there's no money. And you have to do that to get a $390 check. You know, in some states it's $450, uh, $500, but you have to do that. And if you don't, you get sanctioned. The welfare bill, the TANF bill, allowed time limits to be as low as 18 months, two years. In Wisconsin, it's two years. After that, you can't get any benefits. So if you have no job, you're in the street with no money, no benefits. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons that we're supporting Congresswoman Gwen Moore's RISE bill, because she would be removing these lifetime time limits. You know, if women have tried to get work and haven't gotten it, the family shouldn't be thrown into the street. And the same thing with the women prior to this, prior to 96, women were going to college, two-year colleges and four-year colleges, at least a, a quarter of the women. Well, that's not allowed. You have to do this on wage work. So imagine if 96 women are working 20 hours a week at their Head Start headquarters, why would they ever hire anyone, ever, ever? There's absolutely no incentive to hire anyone. And then it cheapens the workforce because if you have literally a million surplus moms who will take any job for any pay and no benefits to avoid no pay, or you go take a 20-hour job at McDonald's or Walmart, Fortunately, now uh, the war on the poor workers is continuing, but our movement is very powerful in the United States. The Fight for $15 movement has won income, additional income for over 12 million Americans. And the, the Walmart, our Walmart movement apparently also, I don't have the figures on that, they've also won increases in income. Yeah, yeah, Walmart raising its wage finally. Ooh, um, a teeny little bit. But. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but you know, but Walmart will never admit that it, they did it because of worker organizing. But it's really making a difference, you know, finally, you know, having the... Because all these wars on the poor are mixed together, you know, whether it's that you're a sub-poverty wage worker right. and all the reach, the largest growing jobs in the United States are all sub-poverty wage jobs and no benefits. So this has been going on for a long time. Um, so tell, tell me more about the Rise Out of Poverty Act. What would it do? What is, what's in it? So the Rise Out of Poverty Act would, would say that uh, work... Ha- uh, Instead of only allowing mothers to do this unwaged slave work, yeah. that women could do their mandatory hours uh, on job search, number one, mm-hmm. and they could also do it going to college. Yeah. 
they could get a two-year degree, a four-year degree, and that would count as employment. They also wouldn't allow the states to anymore. In the states right now, they can require the mother to leave their babies at two months, three months, whatever, one year. In Wisconsin, it's two months. And at that point, the children, you know, have no one-on-one care anymore from their mom. And the mom has to, again, go into that unwaged workforce or, if they can find a job, paid workforce. So the law would, this this would say the states couldn't do that. They'd have to at least let the mothers be home. Uh, there, right now, it's, it's whether it's going to be one year or whether it's going to be more is up for grabs because the bill has is, is been revised. Yeah. But those are the, the two main things. And then there's a third thing. The states wouldn't be able to only say they cut the rolls. Yeah. The yeah. law would have to be changed to say the states have to reduce poverty yeah. and increase employment. Yeah. Not just say, well, we cut a million women off this year, right. and they're all in the streets with zero income. Right. Or they're working for, you know, 76, 90, pardon me, 96 people are working for no pay at their head start. Yeah. So they, that's a really important part. The states would have to prove that they're reducing poverty. Another thing that's been really important is the TANF has been a block grant, mm-hmm. meaning the states can use that money however they want. And right. surprise, surprise, they're using a lot of the money. Instead of using it to help women get jobs, they're, or even just to give them income while they're looking for those jobs, they're using it for the Child Protective Service System to take more children away. So they say, well, you're homeless because we cut you off. We're taking your children away right. and claiming unlawfully, unjustly, claiming it's abuse and neglect when it's not abuse and neglect by state law. Because once they take your kid, you're at the mercy of the system. You do what they tell you or you lose your child. So TANF, uh, there's also provision, Congresswoman Gwen Moore put a provision in there that they can't use the TANF money simply to take children away because of poverty. And that poverty in no state is actually a legal reason to take children away anyhow. So they shouldn't be taking the children away for poverty. So it addresses these things you know, what, how the money is supposed to be qualified to be spent as opposed to just using it on your roads or using it on taking the children away from their moms. So those are the main things, I think. College, the right to stay home with your children a little more and when they need you, the right to get education. Remember, people on welfare are mothers who are single. No second breadwinner, no child support from the uh, absent dad usually. And so these are women who really need more time because there's only one adult with the children, and they need more money, and they need more education especially. So Congresswoman Gwen Moore is the, is the congresswoman introducing this RISE bill, and, uh, and so I just want to make sure that's clear. Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone wants, yeah. and she's the representative for Wisconsin. Right. Congresswoman for Wisconsin. And not only was Congresswoman Gwen Moore on welfare when she was actually a young mother going to college, she also um, had her children in foster care. So she completely, and this is, I I forgot to mention one thing. Right now, the Child Protective Service System has been privatized. Mm -hmm. And you know, when anything is privatized, it gets much more dangerous Mm -hmm. because you combine not just prejudice against the poor, but now greed. And prejudice, and so it's privatized. That's another reason so many layers of professionals make money. But uh, so she really, truly has experienced, you know, the different levels of oppression that single mothers go through when they have to deal with getting their child support from the government. And that's all it is, you know. It's a child support check, and then they have to work it off for no pay. So people believe that the TANF bill, when it was passed in '96, that it actually forced women to get a job. And it forced women to work to get their check. 
they always imply that you're getting a paid job. Like you go to McDonald's and you still get a check. It doesn't work that way. If you can't get a job, if you get a job at McDonald's, they terminate your money. If you can't, they make you work 30 hours for no pay. Usually 20 hours in the unwaged workforce and 10 hours in job service. Think of how backward that is. If you're looking for a job, do you want to look only 10 hours a week or perhaps 30 hours a week? It's a very, very devastating system. And it needs to be put, and it needs to be ended. It's gone on for way too long. Well, the Welfare Warriors, I want to give our phone number. Yes, it's definitely. 414-342-6662. And it'd be great for people to contact us, you know, if they want any more information or to get involved. Do you have a website? And we have a website, Welfare Warriors, and a, fa- a Facebook, Welfare Warriors. And our email is wmvoice at well, uh, att.net. Wmvoice at att.net. Interviews for Resistance is a project of Sarah Jaffe with assistance from Laura Fayebois and support from the Nation Institute. You can find more information at necessarytrouble.org. Thanks for listening.